Today's episode of the Closeout Podcast is brought to you by Mariah Carey. Happy 50th birthday and still looking good. 50 years old? Are you kidding me? But not only does she look good, Noah, but she has come out with some bangers, particularly All I Want for Christmas is You. I mean, I lose my lungs every December singing that song in my car, my guy. This is the saddest intro we've ever had and just proves that this no basketball thing is making you worse and worse as time goes on. There's nothing sad about Mariah Carey. You're talking about a Christmas song that she put out in like 2005. Tell me one song that she has done that matters. Actually, on Apple Music, it says, wait for it, 1994 is when that song came out. No. I'm looking at this correct. Look at the phone. All I want for Christmas is you. Below it, Merry Christmas, 1994. No way. Wow. That song's been out for a long That's time. Four, four and years she should have been the one to do the national anthem. I forget what year it was uh, for the All-Star game. She should have been the one instead of Fergie. Yeah. Because fair. that was uh, that was, that was complete yeah. trash. But other than Mariah Carey, we're talking about basketball today. There's obviously no basketball games going on. But the first team, second team, about? third team, all-American teams came oh, out okay. for college okay. basketball. We're going to be talking about that. And... Noah was watching the Kansas-Memphis 2008 National Championship rerun, and he believes that towards the end of the game, John Calipari poured water to make, who was it, Mario Chalmers? Sharon Collins. Sharon Collins. Sharon. Sharon, excuse me. Sharon Collins slip on the court to get Memphis an extra possession, which obviously didn't help him because Look, Mario I, Chalmers happened. I think until this basketball hiatus is over where we actually get basketball back i will just give a conspiracy every week starting with this one this is week one because it's the most important all right and nobody's talking about this one and we'll get more into that the other thing i want to talk about college basketball wise is rick patino is back in college basketball yeah and one of the most interesting coaches uh, probably in college basketball of all time, and we're going to get into that. And then we've got an NBA coronavirus update. There hasn't been a lot going on in the NBA. Uh, There's been much more going on in college basketball, surprisingly. A couple people have declared for the draft or are thinking about it, and we'll talk about that. But before we get into all that, Jim Nance. So it's not a surprise. Dayton Zobi Toppin wins AP Player of the Year. Pretty much anyone who's credible has come out and said this and reported it. And it was reported that he got 34 out of 65 of the ballots. Luke Garza was second with 24 votes. And then Marcus Howard, Peyton Pritchard, and Udoka Azabuki split the remaining ballots. I'm assuming you agree with this. Yeah, I do. But the thing that confuses me the most about looking at uh, how each player was voted is Yudoka Azabuki got votes, and he wasn't even on the first, the All American first team. So, that and Miles Ma- Powell didn't even get a single Player of the Year vote, and he's on the All American first team. So, and, and this is. Both both the team and the National Player of the Year voting was made by the Associated Press. So how can the guys, unless it's different people voting, which I'm pretty sure it's it's not. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't see why it would be. How are you going to come up with Miles Powell making the first team and then not giving him any National Player of the Year votes? That just doesn't make sense. Well, I was going to say I have no idea how Udoka Azubuki even got a single vote in this. Look, I get he's an incredible player. He's an awesome player. There's no way he should have gotten a vote, especially over Miles Powell. I mean, when you look at the numbers of all these players, 
Doak is not even close to these guys other than rebounding. Yeah. Like, you've got... He's, he is the only guy out of all of them. He is the only guy averaging a double-double. But then you look at the points. You got Obi. He's a big man, 20 points per game. You got Luca Garza averaging close to 24. And then Miles Power, he's not a big guy, but he's still averaging, what, 21 points per game. So, th- yeah, that's the only thing that really separates Udoka. And it, it hurts him, too, because... If Kansas didn't have Devon Dotson, Azubuki could possibly be a 20-point-per-game score. Yeah, most definitely. I think Devon Dotson and Doak being on the All-American second team is exactly what it should be. Yeah. I don't think – I think if either of these guys were on Kansas without the other, maybe they're on the first team. Maybe they're getting better numbers and more – like. Probably higher up in the vote for player of the year. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if if as a boot, yeah, if as a Buki didn't play for Kansas or Dotson, I would yeah definitely see uh, one of the two making the the first team. Yeah, I don't know how you don't put Miles Powell in the vote. Like nobody votes. For yeah, him, that doesn't. But you put, him, but him, you put him in the team. first team, yeah. and it's again, it's the same. It's the same. Uh, people that were voting the associated yeah. press yeah. it's just really confusing but the the stats for these guys i mean ob going back to him 34 of the 65 votes 20 points per game 7.5 rebounds per game and 2.2 assists per game and i think the biggest thing that stands out because luca garza put up more points per game than him and he put up more rebounds per game. Mm-hmm. But Obi was consistently keeping Dayton. I know Iowa's not playing. Iowa was arguably in the best conference this year. But Dayton consistently was in that top tier of teams, being, being able to stay in the top, tw- uh, the top five. And Iowa, you know, they were bouncing back and forth into the top 25 and out of the top 25. So that, that was the big separation probably between Obi and Luca. And then you get Marcus, 27.8 points per game. Obviously, Marquette, they were barely in the top 25 this year. Dropping and- almost... 30 points per game. Though. That's insane. Yeah. That's a, I mean, just dropping 20 points per game is it's insane for college. In college yeah. It's, it, yeah, you're you're from another planet if you can almost drop 30 points per game in college. And then you have Peyton, uh, obviously great season, but, you know, Oregon, they, they got in the top four once, but they were just not able to stay consistently in the top ten. They weren't in the top ten for long. And then you have uh, Udoka Azabuki. He wasn't on the first team. It was Miles Powell. But Seton Hall, they got into the top ten. 10, but then ever since then, they struggled right when they got into the top 10. So Obi was able to consistently keep his team in the top five. So my question is, Luca Garza even came out and said, I don't think Obi Toppin would put up his numbers in my conference. What do you think about that? Wow. Um, first of all, Luca Garza, is he allowed to say, do you think he's allowed to say this? Like, like, you, you know, when you get, you, yeah, come out and say this. He probably is because Obi is what, I mean, Obi's a sophomore. Yeah. And he redshirted his freshman year. Yeah. And he's Wait, still. He, his numbers last year really weren't that bad either. But I was listening to him actually on an interview this morning. And he said he went, what, I, I think it's interesting what changed him. From nobody knew his name last year, everybody knew his name this year. And uh, sorry, I know we're going off topic. No, yeah, talking about, but he last last year he declares for the draft and just to go test the waters. Yeah, and he gets all this feedback from those NBA guys. Come comes back to college and he said he worked every single day on everything that they told him he needed to get better on. Comes back and is player of the year. One of the coolest. Not comeback stories because he didn't have a bad season. Yeah, season, but I know what you mean. Nobody knows your name. Yeah. Everybody knows your name. But the question is, could he do what he did this year in the Big Ten? I don't know. Yeah, well, he obviously put up the numbers against a mid-major conference that wasn't really strong. But I look at probably Dayton's biggest game of the year this year, and we're going to get into 
the first team All-Americans or the guys who got voted for National Player of the Year, what was maybe, if they would have won Player of the Year, what was their, I guess, what what they say in football, their Heisman moment. And for Obi Toppin, arguably his Heisman moment or National Player of the Year moment was that game against Kansas, yeah. getting Dayton on the map. The dude put up 18-9 and nine against the best team in the nation. So to say that Obi wouldn't do that against the Big Ten, he just showed you that he can do that against the best team in the yeah. nation. Yeah. So I have I I believe that Obi Toppin could have put up maybe not twenty. It, the numbers may have went may go down a little bit in scoring. I still see him as a seven point five rebound per game guy, but the scoring may go down to what, 18 points per game. Uh, But I don't see it dropping off dramatically. Well, when you do the dunks, that he does in games oh, that people yes. do in All Star games. Yes, that's in, insane. In this guy would be fine in the big yeah. team. And there was even a play where he hit a three against Kansas. And this is one of my favorite stories from this college basketball season. Obi Tobin was talking about it on the interview. Udoka Azabuki said, Let him get the ball, he can't shoot. Yells it during this Kansas game. And so Obi gets the ball, hand in his face, hits the three, and just stares down the Kansas bench as he's going away. And I think that just explains the fire that Obi Toppin and the Flyers had this year, which is why I think they would have made a run in this tournament. They were, as we talked about, they were hot going. Into the yeah, team. I mean, what we had, we had them going to the Elite Eight one game away. Yeah, and, and running it, into a hot Florida and State it was team. A, it was a coin flip, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah, it was close. But, so. but yeah, Obi. Definitely would have put up good numbers, even if he was in a Power 5 conference. Luca, though, he's only a junior, and he's most likely, he's going to probably declare for the draft and do the same thing Obi did. You know, he's going to go to the workouts, but... Luca, if you, if you look at the, I guess the mock drafts that I've seen, he's not going first round. So it may be like a Peyton Pritchard instance where he had a good junior year, but he just needs to come back for his senior year and and really bring up his stock. Now, Luca's obviously in a better position because Peyton Pritchard was nowhere near close to National Player of the Year last year. But Luca, I think, is most likely going to come back for his senior year and He's probably going to be – people are going to be picking him for player of the year next year. I mean, you're a junior putting up 23.9 points per game. I wonder how much. He may be putting up Marcus Howard number, 27.8 points per game. Yeah. But let's get into the first-team All-American guys, or excuse me, the guys that got votes. What were their best games of the year? If they would have won National Player of the Year or OB, what we think his – uh, his National Player of the Year moment was. So we mentioned Obi put the Flyers on the map by dropping 18-9, and nine, almost being the number four team, Kansas and Maui. But the other moment that was big for Dayton was Obi put up 20-10 and 10 to help them rally down from 13 down to St. Louis. And I remember when this game was going on, you texted me. I was at my grandparents. You were like, you have got to turn the TV on right now because this game is insane. It's arguably the best game in college basketball from this past season. But, I mean, you almost beat Kansas and you play well against them, you're going to get a lot of looks. Yeah. So, what do you think if if some, if somebody were to say, man, what was Obi Toppin's like, oh, this dude is player of the year, what would you say? Or do you have another moment that you remember? I don't know if it's – I would say the Kansas game put him on the map. That's when – Especially my my attention in the national media yeah. media's attention went to him. So maybe that's his moment. But I would say just I – I don't know what the word is, but the energy that this guy has when you would watch him play, like, like I was saying, like through the legs dunks on a fast break. I don't know if it's a particular game, but if it would be, I would probably say the St. Louis game or yeah. the Kansas game. But a particular moment maybe, one of those dunks where somebody who doesn't yeah. know him just sees him on a fast break doing that, I think that's what puts him probably well, – in the – 
top two for player of the year right yeah then. yeah well i mean the yeah those games were great but everyone's really gonna remember obi topping just on a fast break doing in between the legs just like crazy NBA stuff contest yeah in, insane uh so if you if you don't pick a game for his player of the year moment it's definitely got to be one of the windmills or between the legs dunks for him and then we go to luca garza if he would have won player of the year he had two really amazing games from this season. He dro- he dropped 33 over ni- number 19 Michigan to put Iowa in the top 25 when conference play got going. That really kind of started to put Iowa on the map. And then last home game of the season against number 16 Penn State, he drops 25 and 17 in the final home game. For me, to get your team into the top 25 and put up 33 against number 19 Michigan, I think that was, okay, this dude, Luca Garza, is is special. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the biggest moments. But I'm giving my biggest moment in the second game that you said, which I get in the first game, yeah, this dude's legit. Yeah, that, that but just, that just starts getting them going. Yeah, and... Then he goes and does this against a Penn State team that is legit, twenty-five and seventeen. That's when I know I'm that's late ridiculous. In the game, but I'm that's like, ridiculous. This guy. Yeah. This guy is for real. Yeah. And then moving on to our next guy, Marcus Howard. Marquette didn't really have any big special moments this year. Marcus put up 40 points really early on in the season against Davidson. And I don't care who you're playing. Putting up 40 points in college is ridiculous. And then he also put up a near double-double, 29-8, and eight, uh, to help Marquette beat Villanova early on in conference play. If he was going to win player of the year, it would definitely have to to be that Villanova game. I know 40 points is is crazy to do, but to beat Villanova and put up 29, that that's crazy. And then get eight rebounds while, while you're at it because Marcus Howard obviously is not known for his rebounding. Yeah, I remember I was actually texting you during this Villanova game. Just the things Marcus Howard was doing on the floor, the way this dude can stroke the ball – I was just like, he's the best. He, Him and Miles Powell, best shooters in college basketball. Yeah. Most fun to watch. Which, our other best shooter is Peyton Pritchard. Your Ducks. Peyton drops 23 to help Oregon beat Michigan on the road. That's his first really big game. And then we got Peyton drops 38-6-4 to help Oregon beat Arizona on the road. I'm giving his best game the 38-6-4. Yeah, the, the Michigan game was impressive, but that game got his name on the map because a lot of a lot of people like knew Peyton Pritchard, but that game happened, and then they said, okay, this guy has a pot- potential to be the best point guard or best player in college basketball. And then... Another reason why I say that was his, I guess, would have been his player of the year moment is because Oregon basically had to win that game if they wanted to be first in the Pac-12. That was a really important game. And to put up 38, I mean, they needed all 38. The game went into overtime. And then our last guy who is not on the first team, uh, All-American first team, but he got ballots from the same people. I'm still confused how that happened. Yudoka Azabuki. So going back to that Dayton game, he dropped 29 against the best player in college basketball to help Kansas win the Maui Invitational. But I think this one is pretty obvious this may have been the best performance of the year out of anybody is the biggest game of the year Kansas at Baylor Udoka put up 23 and 19 to beat number one Baylor he almost had was it rebounds I'm assuming yeah 20, almost, 19 19 rebounds he almost had as many rebounds as he did points and I know I and he didn't shoot of, a single all, three all, all of them were at the rim all of his points were dunks too, oh yeah sure like I would say 10 of his field goals were dunks in this game and this was my favorite game of the year because I wanted to be Baylor more than anything as a Kansas fan and we wouldn't have done that without Doke in this game and you go back to the Dayton game that is awesome. Because now that you look at it, you're like, oh, he did that against the National Player of the Year. I would have never even thought about that game until now. But that Baylor game, that's what sticks out in my mind for Udoka because he, without him on the floor, we do, there's no yeah. chance we win that. Yeah, game. and these, 
amazing regular season performances makes me wish so badly that we had March Madness. Yeah. Seeing these guys go off in the Sweet 16 or, or the Elite. Oh, it, it just it makes me cry. Um, but going over the, the first team, the All-American first team again. So you had Garza, Howard, Miles Powell instead of Azabuki, Pritchard, and Obi Toppin. And then... The second team, All-American second team, so you got your Kansas boys, you got Devon Dotson, you got Azabuki, they threw in Vernon Carey Jr. from Duke, who averaged a near double-double, 17.8 points per game, and then 8.8 rebounds per game, and then they threw in Malachi Flynn, which I think you have to, because I know San Diego State, they were undefeated for a big portion of the season, but nobody really, nobody was all in on San Diego State. Yeah. Everyone was in on Dayton because they had a guy like Obi Toppin, but Malachi Flynn, nobody really talked about him, so I really like like the Associated Press putting him into the All-American second team. He averaged 17.6 points per game, and then you have Cassius Winston, who had a strong second half of the season, 18.6 points per game, and 5.9 assists per game. And then before you, uh, before we start talking about if we'll take, if we if they should have took some players out of the second second team and and put him in the third and stuff like that. I'm going to read off the third team. It had Jared Butler from Baylor, 16 points per game on the season. It had Trey Jones, Jordan Awara from Louisville, Philip Petrusev from Gonzaga, and then you have Jalen Smith from Maryland. So, anybody you would change or do you really like where everyone's placed from these uh from these All-American teams? So, I would put I would switch Malachi Flynn with Jared Butler or Trey Jones. Okay, know, you don't know, you don't like Malachi Flynn. Yeah, I know you like that pick. I, I do because Sandy I, I think San Diego State, even though, you know, they they lost their conference championship, they were one of the most consistent teams this year. And for a mid major school to stay consistently in the top five and their and their best players averaging seventeen point six points per game. I think you got to reward them for that reason. So that that's the big reason why I like him being in uh, in the All American second team. Another pick, man. I think that Trey Jones should be in instead of Cassius Winston. Because Trey Jones, even though he doesn't, I mean, the numbers are, he has more assists per game and Cassius is just averaging, what, two two more points per game than him. Trey Jones had some awesome moments this year, particularly talking about that North Carolina game. And Cassius Winston, like I said, he had a good second half of the season, but Michigan State was awesome awful heading into February and Duke you know they had those bad losses the North Carolina State game and then the Clemson game but Trey Jones and Duke were more consistent this year I would have put Trey Jones in the second team and put Cassius in the third team and that'd be interesting we'd have two Kansas guys and two Duke guys yeah no on one team yeah and then then you're San San Diego State guy Um, but those are all the all-american teams and before we move on to your conspiracy because I know you're really wanting to get into that I want to listen to it I want to ask you a question so I look I saw that the first the All-American first team came out, looked at the guys, and I got to thinking, how does this team match up against last year's All-American first team? So I looked up the team from last year, and as I start going down the names, I'm like, oh no, maybe we shouldn't have this segment because is there really point a point in having a game? But we're gonna do it anyways. Last year's team. Um, you got R.J. Barrett, who averaged 22.6 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, and 4.3 assists per game. If R.J. Barrett put up those numbers this year, he would have to win player of the year. And he didn't. It was Zion. The next guy, you got John Morant, 24.5 points per game. I mean, he averaged a double-double. That's insane. And then you got Zion, 22.6 points per game, 8.9 rebounds per game. Insane. And then Cassius Winston, 18.8 points per game. Uh, I'm I'm missing someone. Oh, you're... 
your boy, your Tennessee boy, Grant Williams, 15.7 points per game, 6.5 rebounds per game. So I was trying to think of ways of how the 2020 All-American first team could beat this team. And the only way I see it is if Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, and Peyton Pritchard start to get hot behind the three-point line, and they just, I mean, they cannot miss. But if they're not missing, it's going to be a long day because, you know, Luka Garza and Obi Toppin's good, but, I mean, you look at the matchups. Zion, I mean, he's probably the center on this team. I like Zion over Obi. Grant Williams, Luka Garza, that'd be interesting. Luka's a better scorer, but Grant, I mean, he was no scrub. He was a really good defender at UT. I don't know. I'm not sure if you can talk about him because I know with the the whole (laughs) UT thing. Um, But, I mean, then again, you got Jaw. But the only way I could see the 2020 first team, the All-American first team beating this team is if the the guards got hot. Yeah, you – yeah. Yeah. I can't talk about the Grant Williams Luka Garza matchup, but I'm going to talk about every other one. So Marcus Howard, Miles Powell, matching up against Ja Morant and Cassius Winston. Yeah. I don't see a universe where Ja Morant and Cassius Winston don't lose that unless Marcus Howard and Miles Powell, which literally those, just I mean go off. Those two playing together would be weird too because they're such. Like ball dominant, yeah, yes. I, I don't want to say Russell Westbrook and James, James Harden, Harden, but like that's the only comparison. It's it's interesting. But it is those two would be interesting because they're both Steph Curry type players. Like I'm gonna shoot, yeah, like the entire game. And then you got also Peyton Pritchard. So all three of those. Well, honestly, if they if this was an actual game, I think Peyton Pritchard if. The 2020 team was going to win. Peyton Pritchard would rack up 10 assists this game because of how much Marcus and Miles would be would be shooting. And yeah. if they're hitting it, he's going to rack up 10 assists. Well, arguably the most important players on this team. Well, not arguably. It would be Obi Top and Luka Garza because they're going to have to stop R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, who both averaged 20, almost 23 points per game. None of these guys did that yeah. this season. It. It would be a blowout. In yes. My, like, I think there's no way this game's close. 2019, when this when we're talking about it, too, this draft class is garbage. Yeah, this it's not It's not, draft that, class, it's not that good. I'm looking forward to two picks. Who? No. All my Kansas guys. Okay. And I'm looking forward to Obi Toppin. All I right. just want to know where he goes. All right. Yeah, the, so, the 2019 team would either win by double digits or Miles Powell and Marcus Howard get hot, and they win by a, a buzzer-beater like, shot. It and it's be. still a close game. So I have one more question before we move on. All right. Who on the – let's do just do the All-American first and second teams. Who, which of these guys in the NBA do you think would be a bust? A bust. Oh, my gosh. Man – Goodness, to be honest with you, oh my goodness, oh, you're making me, to be honest with you, Peyton, like, okay, I don't know if you can call Peyton Pritchard, Peyton, I just don't see him as much as it breaks my heart, and I want this dude to be a starter in the NBA, I don't see him, if he's going to have a successful career in the NBA, I don't see him being a starter. I see him coming off the bench, being a backup point guard, averaging like eight to ten points per game if he reaches his his peak I'm talking, in the NBA ever. I'm but you're talking, talking about Jimmer like for debt bus. Like start seven games and then we never hear from him again. Okay. Out of out of the first all American first team guys and second team guys. Wow. Um I could really see Vernon Carey Jr. Because his offensive game, Luka Garza and Obi Obi Toppin is just an absolute dog. And Luka Garza is crafty. And that's why I think he could have NBA success. But Vernon Carey Jr., I don't love, I'm not in love with his offensive game. I can see him getting drafted like middle of first round or something like that. Nothing close to Jimmer where he's playing seven games. Like Vernon Carey will stick around, but he's not going to live up to his ex 
expectations. If I had to had to pick a guy who's going to get picked, you know, around top fifteen potentially, I'd pick Vernon Carey. But what about you, Noah? Azabuki potentially, but I don't see Azabuki being a first rounder. No, I don't think either any of these Kansas guys would be considered a bust because I don't think they would be big time players. I think maybe we could see a Luca Garza bust because out of this draft class. If he does decide, I see. I like I I like his offensive game. He's got a good post move. Plus, he can shoot the three ball a little bit. Vernon Carey Jr. just cannot shoot the three ball. And the way basketball is now, centers nowadays are are shooting the three ball uh, pretty well. Yeah. So that that that's a a big reason why I like Garza and why I pick Carey. Um, but our next episode. I'm really like getting excited for mock drafts now. We're gonna have to sit down and and, and go, go through, through some mock, mock yeah. drafts. Um, if we have a draft, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, the NFL uh, apparently the NFL sticking with their date. They have not moved it yet. When is it? Uh, April 23rd, I believe. So they're they're yeah, sticking I mean, with. It. I, I doubt nice they'll have it, fans. It'd be nice if everything. But I heard it, the players when they get drafted, they they are on a boat. Like the draft stage is in the water. Oh, that'd be cool. And then they they go to the, the draft stage through bo- by that'd be, boat. That'd be cool. So, yeah, yeah. really interesting. It, it won't be better than Nashville because Nashville's Nashville. All right. The moment of truth, it is uh, Noah's conspiracy time. Yeah. And this goes back to 2008, 2000, uh, the 2008 National Championship between Kansas and Memphis. Clock is winding down. Kansas is up by four with, like, what, 30 seconds left or something like that. So, yeah, pretty much I'm going to just start from the beginning. All right, here we go. So, last week, CBS airs the 2008 National Championship game. Kansas versus Memphis. One of the biggest moments of my childhood. Then Bill Self comes out and tweets, I'm going to live tweet the entire game. So I put, I stop everything I'm doing. I turn on the game. I get my Twitter out and I'm just enjoying watching Self live tweet this game. And then at the end of the game, there's a key play with... 29 seconds left. Kansas is up by five in overtime. The Mario, Mario's miracle shot already happened. We're trying to win the game here in overtime. 30 seconds left. We have to inbound the ball. Brandon Rush is inbounding the ball, and I'm watching it right now as I explain this. Brandon Rush inbounds the ball, and Sharon Collins goes to catch the ball, slips and falls right next to the Memphis bench. He catches the ball. Takes off down the court, slips and falls. And who's standing right over Sharon Collins when he falls? None other than John Calipari. So my conspiracy is, well, I didn't even have a conspiracy until Bill Self tweets, did Memphis squirt water on the floor? So then I go back and rewatch it again. And I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? Because when Sharon catches the ball and he slips there, Calipari's standing right over him. Maybe Memphis did squirt the squirt water on the floor there. Nobody's talking about it. I'm searching the internet. Can't find it anywhere. So did Calipari try to hide this with his 50 other scandals? I want more research. I want more interviews. Who, whatever it takes to confirm this conspiracy, it needs to happen. Well, first of all, um, I totally forgot that Mario Chalmers made the shot. This wasn't going down. Like, this wasn't the towards the end of regulation. This was towards overtime. Mario hit the shot um, beforehand. Now, do I think that John Calpari spilled water? Or or anyone anyone on the Memphis bench and he knew about it. That's also I I would believe that a dude on the Memphis bench would do it before John Calpari. John Calpari would know about it. I think he would know about it. Do I think it happened? Absolutely not. It was overtime. These boys are are sweating profusely. I'm not surprised that the court is a little slippery. So, I, I yeah, I'm interested. I, I'm surprised that nothing's came out by this. Now, did this conspiracy, did Bill Self just... He believes this, or has this been an ongoing thing since 2008? So he just tweeted this. I Obviously, it was probably a joke. He was like, did Memphis score one on the floor? Because he fell. But then I'm like, out of all the stupid basketball conspiracies, why is this not on the list? Yeah. So 
I go do as much research as I can. There's nothing. I scour the internet. Nobody is even talking about it. So I've decided I'm going to start this conspiracy up. I'm going to get it going, and now we're going to have a new basketball conspiracy. I'm going to make sure somebody looks into this. What if you... What if you get a lot of people behind you, a lot of Kansas fans, and a lot of people start tweeting about it, and then John Calipari has has his interview, and you just break him because pe- uh, reporters start asking him. He's like, "All right, listen, I I, I spilled water during." He tried during to break him. Sharon's ankle because Sharon is the reason. Well, Sharon's the reason that he lost that game. Probably Sharon. Darrell Arthur and Mario Chalmers, biggest three reasons. Yeah. I I need interviews. Everyone on the bench at that time, anyone involved with Memphis Athletics need an interview. I want I want it from everyone. Every single person. I will investigate I will be an investigator. And John, if you to. if you want to defend yourself, my guy, I mean, my number well, is. Oh, my we got we got a Twitter, we got an Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you don't yeah, have to don't yeah. don't put your number out there. Um, but hey, you you know where you know where to find us if you want to defend yourself. No, I'm at podcast at gmail.com. I'll see you. Abs- I'll absolutely, see you. I'll see you there. You um, can slide in our DMs. Does this mean? Uh, so we are going to get conspiracies every game or uh, every, every week. Podcast. I think we need. Every so I'm going to start it off with Noah's Noah's basketball conspiracies of the right. week we're gonna start that off but let's move on from this because we don't have enough information yet and i'm gonna continue to gather this information i'm not stopping here for our listeners i will find the answer for you yeah but you before we go to the nba all right i know we've been talking a lot of college basketball but we have to talk about rick patino now if kansas if kansas was playing louisville I would, I would believe it. If it was Rick Pitino, if you would if, believe if it. Rick Pitino potentially maybe spilt water on the floor, I would, I would believe it. Well, I actually have Rick Pitino's career timeline here. It's really we don't have to talk about much other than the scandal. What was it? What was the scandal called? I'm blank. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't know it. I didn't know it had like a name yeah, attached to it. Yeah. I just know what everything was involved with the scandal. Yeah. But that year, that it was, Louisville, it was the sex for pay scandal. So basically, oh, okay. the Louisville. So Louisville did <laughs> yeah, something. Explain, really, Noah. Louisville did something really bad, and then they suspended themselves. Oh. Let me just start from the beginning. Rick Pitino in like 2003 has the scandal with a woman, gets her arrested, and then later he has another scandal with Lou. That that goes away. Everyone's kind of like, all right, Rick, you're a little weird. You ha- you're a little shady, but we'll let it slide. You're a good basketball coach. So then this sex for pay scandal happens, and you guys can search that if you want to know what actually happened. And basically what Louisville does is they suspend themselves from anything from for a season so then rick Bettino comes out and it's like look we suspended ourselves i he comes on a press conference like i don't think anything will come from the ncaa now that we've suspended ourselves um we punished ourselves nothing will happen ncaa comes out and is like yeah you guys are screwed so then rick Bettino. I think he's, like, asked to leave, whatever. He goes and is, like, coaching in Greece. Yeah, some, um, something like that. What's up? As uh, Black Eye comes in. In times like these, you need a, an experienced coach. <laughs> We're talking about Rick Pitino. That's what I'm talking about, yeah. Oh, okay. Pitino. Yeah. So, so Back in the saddle. What do you think about Rick Pitino back in the saddle? I think in times like these in college basketball, Rick Pitino. During the corona, coronavirus? <laughs> During times like these, you need Rick Pitino. <laughs> I, think, I think in times like these with NCAA investigations pulling up every rug, Rick Pitino is going to feel right at home. That's, I mean, that's fair. All the man did was uh, send his players on some dates, apparently. I, yeah, I don't see how that's a I don't see how that's a bad so, thing. I want to ask you as a long lifelong Kansas fan. So I've been working on this conspiracy that I'm presenting to the podcast that's never been released before, and it's from the 2008 Kansas vs Memphis national championship game. In overtime, with 30 seconds left, we're up by five. Mario or not Mario? Uh, Brandon Rush inbounds the ball to Sharon Collins, and Sharon Collins takes off up the floor, slips and falls right next to the Memphis bench. And while I'm watching this game last week, Bill Self tweets, did Memphis squirt water on the floor, question mark. So I immediately think, why isn't this a conspiracy? Is it a conspiracy? So I look up everything I can about this. Nothing's on the internet. But when Sharon falls, 
guess who's standing right above him? John Calipari. So what do you think of this? What do you think of this conspiracy? I, you know what? I noticed the fall. I didn't watch Self's live tweet, but I noticed the fall. I watched the game. I taped it Sunday and watched it a couple days later, and I, I did notice the fall. I mean, he he was lucky. He was lucky to hang on to that ball in that situation. So my, I think a Memphis player and Calipari knowingly let somebody in the Memphis organization spill water right there so Sharon would fall so they can get an extra possession. I I, I don't see how how this could not go against or how, how this looks bad on Memphis. Like, obviously, with you two Kansas fans saying that he spilt water, obviously it happened. Like, <laughs> it, it just – Memphis is in trouble. They should be banned for 30 years. Do you, do you know what – do you remember that that, that uh, there's a great commercial? It's like the foundation for a better life. Like, who doesn't want that? And they're playing a basketball game, and the official calls it out of bounds. Yes, yeah. Team. It's a terrible commercial. It is. Yeah, he, he goes over to he goes over, over to the coach. He's like, coach, it was off me, and he tells the official. Yeah. As a coach, I'm thinking, you, I'd you'd sit you down. Yeah. I'm so upset, you know, it's part of the game. The, the ref made the call. Having said that, there's no way Calipari squirted water on the floor. That's no way. Bad. Yeah. It, it, I mean, no way. There's a lot that man would do to win, but but squirting. But squirting water, water yeah. That was, I was yeah. Now I'll tell you what I did notice about that game is Billy Packer was not in his prime calling that that 2008 national championship game. I mean, he was bad. And when Billy Packer could be when he was bad, he was really bad. I mean, that was probably listening to him and Nance. I think it was Jim Nance calling that game and it was the call was terrible. I mean, yeah. it was absolutely terrible throughout most of the game. The the, the analysis, Jim Nance is always Jim Nance. But uh, th- that's what I noticed about that. So you guys are talking about Patino. Mm-hmm. Yep. COVID. Did you cover the the crisis, the coronavirus, the end of basketball? Uh, we're trying we have to avoid. for uh, four weeks now. We're trying to avoid. Two that. weeks. Yeah, we're trying to avoid it. Keep everything positive on the closeout podcast. Except we are doing a coronavirus NBA update. So. Yes, we are. Yeah, I want to see them back playing, even if it w- isn't without fans. And then I'll leave you guys. That, that's that's one of my thoughts. And. Uh, um, you know, I'd like to hear you guys just talk about what the legacy of this basketball season is and uh, what they're going to do. I mean, what do you do with a national champion? Is there just a blank space for, you know, in, in 2020 where we just don't have one? Yeah. Um, well, we have enough time to talk about it. And, yeah. and then, I mean, what happens in – I mean, I'm going to tell you something about if, you, if people are listening and they don't live in SEC, SEC country, if this thing drags on, it, it will not affect college football. Because people will not stay out of those stadiums for college football. I mean, it's yeah. going to be problematic if, if, if college football season gets here. Yeah. But, yeah, I'd like to hear you guys talk about what the NCAA should do as far as uh, this lost season. It's, it's sad. So it, it's sad to think about. But I enjoyed your takes on the tournament. I just wanted to come say hey. <laughs> yeah, when, when are we balling? When are we balling? Are we he balling soon? He doesn't need any more black guys. Oh, right. yeah, that's right. That's I'm right. Ready. Huh? You're ready? Yeah, Noah and I, we're 2-0, aren't we? Uh, we are. We yeah, are. you guys are. You guys have been whooping me and Steven up. You so. guys just can't beat the old men. All right, so Rick Bettino, he goes to Greece, and nobody knows what was happening over there. Whatever. Not really thinking about it. Comes back. He's a, he's in the United States again. Uh, looking around, there was, there was some talk that he was going to go coach a Grand Canyon and then he ends up at Iona, and when asked about it, he says, it's close to my apartment in the city, and I really like the school. And I was like, well, that's good for you, Rick. Yeah. And then Rick starts there. Dude's already landed six commits. My question, <laughs> are we going to have another Rick Patino? No, I think, I think Rick's done with that. The punishment was hard on, really hard on him, and I think he's learned from his mistakes. And all I got to say is is watch out for Iona because Rick Pitino is a great coach. He won a national championship. They didn't cheat. It was just the stuff they did was awful. Yeah. But they didn't cheat in basketball games. Yeah. Rick Pitino is a great coach, and Iona is going to have a pretty successful basketball program as long as he's there and as long as he is staying out of trouble. Yeah. 
But, yeah, that, that's the only thing. If he can stay out of trouble, Iona's going to be scary. And then uh, your dad walked in uh, talking about uh, whether or not there should just be a blank space. We can talk more. But I know we're uh, limited on time. We're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, and we can talk more about this on next podcast. But just short answer, I think there's just, just be no champion and just, you know, it, like it's not fair. It's not fair. How would you feel if Kansas, if they just gave Kansas national championship, I know you would be like, oh, that's awesome. But hanging it's like, it's like, yeah, same, hanging yeah. a banner that you re- didn't really earn. Um, I, I, I think there should just be a, a blank space there. But moving on to the NBA, some quick coronavirus news. Uh, so there's not much going on in the NBA. Yeah. And we are... About an hour again, and I always have to keep Hargrove in check. Otherwise, we'd go for three hours. Yeah. So, we're we're just going to give a coronavirus update because unlike college basketball, the NBA has been silent. There's been a few signings. Nobody really worth talking about, to be honest. Um, Coronavirus update. Carl Anthony Towns announced that his mother is in a medically induced coma with coronavirus, which is extremely scary. And then it came out today, Doris Burke uh, has the coronavirus. Um, So praying for them, obviously. But some good news is Detroit Pistons' Christian Wood Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert have all been cleared from the virus. So that is uh, obviously positive news yeah. um, around this whole is, COVID-19 situation. It's tough because basketball is where we go when when life sucks. Yeah, like, yeah. And when basketball, when sports are gone and entertainment's gone, it's It's, it's hard. hard to get your mind off of it. Which it's is hard. why we're doing this. We're yeah. trying to get everyone's mind off of it. So... While all of this is horrible, let's try and focus on the positive and talk about some draft stuff. And we're gonna we're gonna set out a draft board here yeah. in the next couple weeks. Because what else do we have to do? Nothing. <laughs> Kenyon Martin Jr. declares Nothing. for the draft post grad school year. Yeah, declaring. Yep. That's uh, that's in the notes. That's the notes I sent yeah, him. I was and, uh, I was reading, I, I, I was I was confused too. But obviously, Kenyon Martin Jr. was a three star coming out of high school. He got an offer from Vandy. Decided not to take it and do this post grad year, which so I think I, is a prep school. I'm, so I've heard, and this still confuses me, and maybe I'm an idiot, but. I he went to IMG, which is a prep school. All right, we're, so, we're assuming. Yeah, we're we're assuming. Have no idea. Like that's what I read. So he's going into the draft. If he's anything like his dad, I'm sure he can hoop. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't care about this. I don't know why we're talking about this. Kenyon Martin Jr., until I see you play, which I haven't, I don't really care. <laughs> like everyone else in this draft, until I see you come overseas and play. Literally the entire draft, me and Hargrove are going to be like, well, they're overseas and we haven't seen them. So, yeah. I mean, we can't really give our opinion. We're going to have to sit and just watch yeah. overseas basketball, which never done that before. Maybe it'd be fun. Like, I actually want to talk about the uh, – Lamelo Ball, like he's supposed to, like. The I mean, Ball he's pick. supposed to be a he's top five to, draft yeah, pick, potentially right. number one. But as of just this episode, since we're running out of time, I want to talk about this Cole Anthony declaring for the draft or going back to Carolina for sophomore year. Look, I don't think it could get worse than it is now. I think he needs to go back and play another year. He needs to continue to develop to develop his game. Look, but. If he's like, I want to go to the draft, I, I'm i sure he'll be fine. Especially because this draft sucks. He'll yeah. go pretty high. But I think the best thing for him would be would be to go back. Because, like I said, it cannot get worse yeah. for this Carolina. And freshmen like Cole Anthony, they never have seasons like these. Like Zion, RJ. I mean, there's so many freshmen that will go to these powerhouse schools and they're instantly uh, a potential national championship team. Cole Anthony, I mean, North Carolina was under 500. I don't even know if they won double-digit games this year. They may have just because of their their one or two tournament win. I think it was one win before the coronavirus uh, incident. But no freshmen that go to Duke and North Carolina have seasons like these that are going to be one and dones. Yeah. So that's a big reason why I think Cole Anthony will come back. I think he's going to come back for his sophomore year. And I think it would be smart by him. Or 
not not smart, but I just think it would be, you know, you chose North Carolina to win national championship, and North Carolina has their worst season in forever. Mm-hmm. You didn't come. You didn't come here to have that season. Yeah. So I, I think that has a lot to do with why Cole Anthony, plus his stock, probably dropped because of how bad North Carolina. He got hurt for a portion of the season, in the middle of the season. His stock probably hurt him. So he comes back next year, puts up some big numbers. Carolina's back in the tournament. He has a better stock. Yeah. Which then again, this is a weak draft year. So that could that could persuade him to go into the draft this year. But it's really interesting. But I think that Cole Anthony should definitely – I'm going to say I don't know if, if he's going to decide to go to the draft, but I just think that it would be smart by him to come back to North Carolina. If I were to bet – I'm gonna say he's gonna leave. Yeah, if our, I mean, decision would be, but, to would, be to, would be to stay. But I, some of these kids just like the mo- I, I mean, money talks. They, we, we've talked about this on the podcast. You, they want to go get their paycheck. which yeah. I understand. And Cole Anthony will be a first rounder if he yeah. declares for the but draft. But I think it would suit him. Like it would be better for him to stay. And our last thing, and then we're gonna end the show. Yeah. Um, Steve Ballmer. Is buying the forum, the old Lakers stadium, as a potential new home for the Clippers. That means the Lakers and the Clippers would have separate stadiums. Yes, and this has to happen because if the Lakers and the Clippers for the next two or three years are going to be facing each other in the Western Conference Finals every year for those two to three years, I don't want to see the Clippers having a home game and there being 70% of the fans being Lakers fans because that's how it's going to be if, if the season starts back up in July or August and they get to the Western Conference Finals. As good as the Clippers are, there's more. I mean, Lakers fans run LA. Yeah. So even even if the Clippers have their own stadium, there there could still be a lot more late. But if you get it, maybe I don't know on the outskirts of LA, or uh, they do like I don't know, get together the the computer and start doing some stats, seeing where more Clippers fans actually live. I don't know. They could build a city, but they said the forum. I, I don't really know what part of LA the forum is at, but I think this would potentially help them get some more Clippers fans and not have the the their home games against the the Lakers be filled with purple and gold instead of red and blue. I'm the, I, I I'm like the this. exact opposite. I want them you like in the it. Same you like in the building. same. Now, don't I get like me wrong. It. it would be cool to have the Western Conference Finals in the same, same building. building. Nobody has to leave. Think, Everything's right there. It's kind of like the Super Bowl. It's just I've always I'm always I've always thought of it like this. The Lakers and the Clippers are in the same. Yeah. And now that they're both really talented teams, I think it makes it you think so it makes much it more fun. Why even spend the money on that? Because this guy has nothing better to do right now, I guess. But I don't know. I hope I well, I guess it's happening. So I'm bummed about this. I wish that they would stay in the same building because yeah. I just I it's always been like that. I like it. Um I think it's a cool, like it's a. Cool, no, I like it too yeah. because I've I've always it. They don't have it anymore because the Raiders moved to Vegas. But I always loved the football and baseball stadiums being in in one park because you get into the late the the later end of the baseball season and you'll watch a Raiders game and they're a little they'll be playing on baseball dirt yeah, and I think yeah. it's just really cool and obviously that was the last one to go down and and again the Raiders are moving to Vegas and I I do like this but I also like them getting their own stadium because then again honestly it would probably be only home games for the Lakers, even though they're on the road. Right. Uh, so that's all we got. We're going to be back early next week. It, we're both really bored. We might start popping out two a week, two episodes a week. But what what is there to talk about? Don't worry. We're going to figure it out because we can't shut up anyway. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at The Closeout. Follow us on Twitter. We, we have a Twitter now. We have a Facebook. Go like subscribe apple podcast spotify just everywhere any platform you can think of we're everywhere um again thank you guys so much for listening and we'll be back next week